Hey, what's good, people? Jason DeBiss and Rob McLean. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. Also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. If you're in, around for the summer, if you're lucky enough where AAUs are still happening and you need to train with someone good, we got the best coaches in the countries and the world, certainly in the country. A family that plays together stays together. It is also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. Watching me, watching you. Episode number 17 starts right now. What's good, Rob? We're back. <laughs> and we're back just like last week, just like the week before that, and just like the week before that, because we got to give the people, I give the people what they want. Rob McLean, keep it McLean. What's good, baby? How's it going, man? All right, I'm going to pump up your volume because I can't be talking over you this week. You're a brother that's going to have a lot to say. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cover a lot of stuff. We're going to cover um, the Mizuno partnership with uh, uh, with the volleyball uh, sports performance. Um, that's our wheelhouse, so it's volleyball, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and the, and the controversy surrounding that. As native New Yorkers, we're going to label off our top favorite New York Giants. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, but really, if you're in the city, you know your Giants and you know your Jets. Yanks, Knicks, and Mets. So, uh, But before we get to that, let's start with topic number one. Rob, are we ready? We ready. Okay. Um, so, Last Dance. Episodes 9 and 10 just finished. Uh, me, I watched all 10 episodes. Did you get to watch all 10? I watched some of them. I haven't watched all of them yet. Okay. But. I'm still working. Yeah, so listen, um, I could do this whole setup question, but I'm just going to ask straight out. What was something out of the last dance, uh, the episodes that you watched, um, whether it's Michael Jordan or not, that you that you got out of it the most? You left with what kind of take? Man, it's, it's just crazy. Like, and I, I, I'll, I'll put it down like this, because I was talking to, uh, I think it was my sister earlier about this. Um <clears throat> I think it just reinforces again, and I think this is why he did the whole thing in the, in the beginning, because, you know, they said he started this whole documentary when uh, Jordan had beaten the, you know, the record-breaking Bulls in the seven-game series, you know, uh, you, know you know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> so when LeBron won that uh, championship, Michael went out and started to do this documentary. Um, but I think what this shows and what I've taken from it mostly is that it re- ignites how incredibly amazing he was and this is how amazing he was he created the idea of a greatest of all time player there was a mount rushmore before there was michael but when there was michael it was just well who's the greatest because that means you just got to compete against the greatest because there's only one guy that's how great he was he put into a conversation greatest of all time and i i want to say this because it was the same thing with Pele and football, yep, right? It no was doubt. so big and powerful. It was like, uh, it was it was something like internationally transcending, right? It was like Ali, even though he's from the states, even though Pele is from Brazil, it was so widespread that it was like he was a person of the world, right? Yeah, that was, transcended internationally. Yep, exactly. You know, it is not like he was Team USA. It was the dream team. 
Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's just so much more. Uh, and that's that's what I think kind of struck me the most is just like how just from what he did on the court, like he didn't even try to make that big of an impact in in that in the world, in the political world at that time or, you know, in in, in industry even like it just kind of came to him and then he kind of flourished with it. But he didn't like drive for it like there is today. Um, but man, it's 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 crazy that j- like what he did on the court really fueled what he could be as a person. I think that's just again, we, you just you see that again because if, if it's you're away from it, you don't get to see it all the time. You know what I mean? It's very crazy, very crazy. I just want to make sure this works before I give my answer. How you doing, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Ah, to quote a big bad, big daddy Kane song, "Hey yo, the microphone's mine." <laughs> um, that was a big daddy Kane song when he had all of it. He had his dancers, he had the DJ, he had his little brother, little daddy Shane on it. The, it's called the microphone's mine, and now Rob, the microphone's mine. What did I get out of this whole thing in the last dance? Um, like I said last week. I can't be your Superman. I can't be your Superman. <laughs> can't be your Superman. Your Superman. Your Superman. Michael Jordan. This whole be like Mike thing, it gets lost. The message of being like Mike. Um, people kind of have their own definition of that. My definition, based on this documentary, being like Mike is to take something that you like to do and you go for it. You be the absolute best, hands down. You take care of controllables. You can't you can't say you're better than Kareem or whatever because he's not. You're not playing against him. You can't say you're better than Russell because that's a different timeline. All Michael Jordan could do was take care of the people that he thinks might be compared uh, better than him. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, um, uh, Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, Stockton. All of these people he played in the finals, all of these people that he beat in the finals was six MVPs. And, And the road to the finals, Rob, nobody said it was easy. You got Detroit bullying people up and down. And then there's a New York Knicks. That man went through everything shy of being nailed to a cross just to get to the finals. So this whole be like Mike was an on-the-court thing. But common denominator, Rob, what I got from this is Michael showed you that he's, he's not perfect, which made me love him more. His imperfections stand out, okay? That man gambled with tons of freaking money, which offends some people. I don't give a damn about which it's your money or whatever. But that's not something where people want to be like Mike. You don't want to spend all your money and lose it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you don't want to like spend it and not care about the money you lose when kids are starving somewhere or whatever. So, so if your image of being like Mike was just he disappointed you, guess what? He disappointed you because you didn't understand. This man can't be your Superman. He had so many layers, Rob. He was kind-hearted and he was a bully at the same time. Not a bully with a black heart that was insecure about his own, you know, superiority. No, a bully where like 
uh, tough love, uh, uh, that means necessary, like this is going to toughen you up or you're not going to be in the court and we're not going to have, and I'm, you're not, you're not going to win with me. Birrelson. He punched Steve Kerr in the face. How is you this know. man, anyone's idol when you punch someone in the face and practice punching down, Rob, <laughs> punching down. Okay. Xavier McDaniel was nose to nose to him. Jordan had a, had a chance to take a shot at that guy. Did he hit Xavier McDaniel? No. <laughs> Why? Because he would have got his meat lumped, okay? But it's he's one a of those smart things. man. <laughs> Don't touch <laughs> the merchandise. Again. Don't touch the merchandise. So Once again, Jordan wins. <laughs> yeah. So listen, he was kind-hearted. He was a bully. He was generous. He was also cheap. He was courteous. And he was rude. He was, and all of these things were ignored because that man won championships. Can you imagine how people with different light people would look at Terrell Owens if he actually won at least one or two rings? <laughs> they called him a locker room cancer. He was a mm -hmm. locker room motivator without the rings. Jordan wanted to do it this way, heavily believed that it was result in championships. And when it came, uh, came time, uh, when push came to shove, when it came time to put up and shut up, Michael Jordan, his airness, we want to be like Mike, delivered. And that's what I got from this. Mm. Just amazing. He can't be your Superman. But if you want to be like that, Mike, whatever your wheelhouse is, Rob, you're an elite athlete. You're a volleyball player. On that volleyball court, dude, you want to be like Mike. That's the way it is, man. All right? Yeah, me, I'm a coach. <laughs> I'm like Mike. I'm retired like Mike. <laughs> Just like bad boys. You're going to be retired like him. <laughs> Remember that? He says, everybody wants oh, to be yeah. like Mike. <laughs> um, all right. So, wow. I think we both crushed that, man. You, you're straight and simple. Me, I got to be all over the place before I bring it back. I'm Rob, my brother, from another mother, I always bring it back. Question oh, number yeah. two. On this day, 1998, which is actually yesterday, which is Monday. Wink. Um, Michael Jordan won the MVP for the fifth time in his career. Uh, the honor tied him with Bill Russell uh, for second most uh, for MVPs, um, trailing only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, on his way to rewriting history, he may have played spoiler for a few players who could have been crowned champion in his absence. So, Rob, the question is, which NBA Hall of Famer do you think wins a ring if Jordan was not in the league three-peating twice? Should I go first? Glad yeah, you go asked, ahead, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. I will go first. My pick, the one guy I thought who could have won one ring while he was gone was Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley came That's into the one. league like an animal. The man was six foot four as a power forward, which is a testament to not only this man's competitiveness, but his big bootiness. That man took the booty and just moved big skinny guys out of the way who think they got muscle. And he, for a long time, he did that with the Sixers. He revitalized his career with the Phoenix Suns. He had Dan Marley, he had Kevin Johnson, pretty good coaching. and. Man, did he have an opportunity. And it's my opinion, in 1993, when the Knicks beat the Chicago, uh, when the Knicks lost to the Chicago Bulls four games to two and went on to win that championship. If the Knicks win that, I strongly believe Charles Barkley and the Phoenix Suns beat the Knicks. And I think Charles Barkley get gets his finals MVP. And he solidifies himself higher in, in, in the docket to the Hall of Fame with at least a ring. Yeah, I hear that. Um, 
Who do you got? For me, for me, uh, it's got to be. I'm, I don't really know who to choose. Um, I forget if they had won a champion, a one championship or not. But I, I thought a very common answer was Carl uh, Malone, because uh, I believe that he kept Carl and John Stockton from from winning a championship all those years together. And I thought just that combination together. Uh, that's just pick. one of the create. It's a good that's pick, one, one that most people talk about, but I also feel like uh, Reggie Miller. Did he not win a? He didn't win no, a ring, though. No, I think that's one that of them, so like all time. And people say, like, the further away Reggie Miller gets from playing the game, people start to realize how great he really was, because he was our Steph Curry. Yeah, and but he had the length and he had the tenacity to play a type of defense. It wasn't like he was a lockdown defender, but. He, he was like Tayshaun Prince long, you know, and, and he could just, you know, just be disruptive. He was a disruptive defender, and he was a – man, he just made buckets. He was a scorer. He wasn't even just a, a only three-point th- shooter. He was a, a great three-point shooter, but he was a great scorer. Got to the bucket, got to the line, got to the two-point line. Like, man, he, he was he was deadly, man. So I, I think that would be my number one. No, that is a two. very, very good pick, too. Carmelo in Stockton or Carmelo? Yeah, Malone? but I like Barkley, man. I think Barkley, man, like, he, he, he was on so many teams that were right there, but they just were Dude not He was an there. animal, too, man. Yeah. He was, oh, can go coast to coast, could rebound, and then off his dribble, just the round boom. Around the and rebound. And then, and, and then and, and these little uh, single-person drives with dunks, man, He and just pushing people out of the way. Dated, you know, had a white wife, didn't give a damn what people thought back then. What's the matter? You don't like your black sisters? <laughs> Take a look. Tell me, tell me what you think. Um, love me some Charles Barkley. Karl Malone did join up with the Lakers to try to get a ring, and uh, but lost in 2004 to the Detroit Pistons. That was um, one of Larry Brown's uh, best coach jo- best coached. I mean, and this is saying a lot because Larry Brown's a real coach. Popovich looks up to him. Um, and that was some of the best work, right, Larry Brown did. He had journey, a bunch of journeymen on that team and, yes, and beat them four games to one. And they only won <laughs> one game because Kobe, like, shot a three to bring it into OT and won one. So I love me some Carl Malone. Let's also highlight Clyde Drexler, but I think he joined the um, the Rockets and won with them in 95, I believe. Let's okay. um, let's all highlight Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. I Ooh, thought man. two two very deserving guys. People forget they won sixty games that year, the year that the board, the the Bulls won seventy two games. The Sonics won sixty games, dude. That's a yeah. team that quite possibly could have won a ring. But let's not forget about our boy Reggie Miller. And know, Reggie man. Miller, he, he was a killer, man. Yes. And he got killed by his sister before any. Like that is the funniest <laughs> story ever. Oh, sister used to make she, him go cry, right? Cheryl Miller. Yeah. She still says that she is the he's the second best in the family. She scored a hundred points in high school. He said hundred points. I think he said that too. Yeah, because yeah. she just beats him up on the court. She beats him. You do still. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of crazy because uh, yeah, that, that, what a, what a what a mm. talented family. That's going to happen with me and my girl in beach volleyball, too, man. She she right there. I'm going to get beat all the time. I'm going to get beat up by this skinny girl with abs. You watch. You well, watch don't Robbie. let it happen, though. Don't let it happen. I might, it might kill me to win. I don't know if I'm ready to die. Maybe I just live and give her that L. Take that. Yeah, you know, give it's her, not a bad L to take. take. That. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. I like that. But the thing, uh, before we lead to the next topic, something about Reggie Miller, he also reminds us that the Bulls uh, – Double three-peat was not a dominant one. Seven games. 
Reggie Miller took him to seven games. Everybody talks about six games. Oh, Michael six and zero, and all these finals appearances. Every time he went to a finals, he won. But listen, you're in. You have X and amount of years. And never took it to the seventh. Yes, and never took it to the seventh. But got took to the seventh within the playoffs, and that's what yes, you're talking about. Yes, and that's that what I'm talking about. The road to the finals was difficult. It wasn't like a first round, you know, 2016 Detroit Pistons, yes. you know, or like a and you it's know, not, second round, yeah. you know, or the East is not tough until the third game, you know, and it's not like series. And it's not like the East is more talented than the West. They were just top heavy, man. Every time Jordan's in the playoffs, he's like, all right, show me the video in Detroit, show me the video in New York, show me the video in Indiana. These, you know, and then Orlando when Shaq was with Orlando and Penny Hardaway, you know, they came up too, but... That was no easy path to the finals. And um, man, you know who thanks Jordan for disappearing for two years? Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> right. But maybe, Somehow that team just got ridiculously unbeatable. <laughs> if the oh, Knicks, Jordan's listen, as Knicks fans, if they were going to win 194 was it. It was game six. It was John Stark's game six. He could have dished to Ewing, and Ewing could have did a little finger roll to tie the game, or you go for it all. You go for the three, and you win it all. He went for the three, and he missed. And then game seven, he proceeded to miss 18, uh, 17 of 18 three-pointers, and that's the curse, Rob. It's the only thing anyone's ever going to remember, and that's a shame because that was a really good team, man. That was a really good team as well. Yeah. All right, Rob, you chew on that literally and figuratively, okay? Can, while I roll off the next question. And I see you back there, Miranda. <laughs> question number three. Phil Jackson, the Zen master. Every time this man shows up to a franchise, it seems like immediate success follows. So my question is, and this one, you get to go first. Out of the Bulls, double three-peat. Does Phil Jackson win any of those rings with the Bulls without Jordan? Uh, um, like saying if if Jordan got hurt, let's say, or are you saying like he got traded? Let's say. Let's say Jordan retires after '93 and stays retired. That's one scenario. My second okay. scenario is let's say in after they beat the Lakers in '90 and '90 '91. Um, no, 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 not after. Let's say Jordan got hurt before that finals with right. Magic and the Lakers. Does Phil win a ring any of those six times without Jordan? You know, honestly, I feel like, yes. Do they win any of the rings? Yes. Do they win all the rings? And Obviously not. But, you know, bearing the question, you know, would, would they win a ring without Jordan? Right. Let's just keep it like that. Simple. Um, there it is. OK. Like absolutely. 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 Because like people say, you know, Scottie Pippen is a top 10 player. You know, Dennis, uh, Dennis Rodman to me is like a top 20 player of all time. But <clears throat> you, you have to put pieces around that. And I think that they had enough pieces I think later on the second half they would have had a lot better of a chance because there was a lot more established veterans there. They had a better system and they had some younger pieces as well. So I think Jordan was a little bit more leant upon in the earlier part of it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I feel like they'd at least win one and maybe two in the in the second of the three uh, in the three P. But not that it would be easy. I think it would be a struggle. I think Pippen would have to, you know, become a different player, you know, and, and toughen up uh, and really be that, that number one 
you know, it's difficult to say, but I think they definitely had the talent. And, you know, Phil Jackson's a phenomenal coach. And to have Jordan to, to buy into that, that triangle type of system, I think it just puts everybody in a type of mindset that this is what we're doing. It's not questioning it. It's just a system we're playing. It's successful. We do it. And I think to take Jordan out of that equation and to let them just run an offense, not an offense through a superstar, I think that could actually make them a little better. So we'll see. And, and you know, Dennis Rodman, when one of their big guy goes out, he kind of puts it on himself to step up and, and put the focus on him. So he becomes a better player, which is, I don't even know how that's possible. So yes, I think so. I don't even know how they landed Dennis Rodman. That's so crazy, man. That's, that's seriously one of my favorite players of all time. All yeah, time. man. Yeah, man. I, um, before I, I answer that, uh, about Dennis Rodman. I like Dennis Rodman because he could score if he wanted to, but he was asked to do something for the sake of the team. And usually people that do something for the sake of the team, when it's time to get their contract, a time to get their money, the same people that are like, you got to take one for the team, are the same people like, well, look at your numbers, you know? So Rodman did what he did on the court and off the court to get his notoriety and to get his name out there and to get his fame. And, and at the same time, as controversial as he was, when it was time to get on the court and play, he always performed. He never disappointed. So I'm glad that he found a way to market himself and get his money that way and score like no points and get like 19 rebounds. <laughs> you know, so because we know the championship teams, they, they need those too. They need those too, right? Like, if mm -hmm. you remember before Robin came along, it was Horace Grant. Uh, when Houston, when the Rockets won, it was Otis Thorpe. Um, so every championship team had kind of an Ironman like that. Rasheed Wallace for, um, not Rasheed Wallace, uh, Ben Wallace for, um, for Detroit when him and Rasheed won in 2004. So, so every team has that, that, that kind of, um, that person that does dirt, the dirty work that doesn't show up on the stat book. Yeah. All right. So for Phil Jackson, I asked a friend of mine, I said, how many championship rings do you think Phil has? And my friend's like, I don't need to think. I know he has 11 rings, right? And I, and I did the Donald Trump thing. I said, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong. Phil Jackson has, to my knowledge, has 13 rings. Uh, I was going to say 14. <laughs> he has, he won. People forget he won twice. As an assistant, right? As a player. 1970 oh, in 1973 he won two rings with the new york knicks 1970 champs and 1973 champs for us fans who remember the last time the knicks played yes phil was your man back then and guess what phil on the face of basketball is your, still to this day your man right now phil could he have beaten Johnson, Magic Johnson and the Lakers with Scottie Pippen and without Jordan? I think so, because I think, think that because Jordan got MVP, it was Scottie Pippen that played three positions on defense and held Magic Johnson to a standstill, even though Johnson did scorch him for 43 points on one of those. You, you win four games to one or four games to two. Without Jordan, you're probably winning four games to three or four games to two, okay? I think they have a shot at beating the Trailblazers. I don't think they beat the Knicks without Jordan in 93. So I don't even think they get to the finals without Jordan in 93. 94, 95, 95 even with Jordan, they didn't make it. The Orlando Magic eliminated him. Um, 96, I think they, maybe they beat the Sonics, maybe they lose. Uh, to answer your question, I co-signed with you. Are they, is he winning six rings without Jordan? Absolutely not. Is he winning at least one? 
Absolutely. And the question is the gray area between one and six. I would say one to two rings. And I say yes. Because everywhere that man goes, success follows. And everybody's like, oh, Shaq and Kobe didn't need Phil. And I'm like, you know what? Shaq and Kobe had a coach before Phil. Didn't win with him. Jordan had a coach before before Phil, Doug Collins, who gave Jordan the ball. You you know, um, and they were close. I mean... But they didn't imagine, win. imagine, you you have a stop and pop game with with Dennis Rodman and 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 Scottie Pippen in the triangle offense. I mean, that's gross. It's ridiculous. You know, like it's ridiculous. Man, <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Do we even? I guess we stop there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we stop there, dude. <laughs> okay, we're doing good, man. Okay, topic number three. The Chicago Bulls, we're going to finish with Last Dance, had a 72-10 and 10 record, which was, a re- which was the best win-loss record in the history of um, the NBA at the time. That has since gotten broken with 73 wins by the Golden State Warriors before Kevin Durant came along. So now the question is, Kevin Durant in the 2018 or 2019 team with the Golden State Warriors, that's their prime. The Chicago Bulls, 72 wins. With They replaced Horace Grant with a Dennis Rodman. They replaced Paxson with a Steve Kerr. All of these we consider upgrades. A much more mature Scottie P- Pippen. Ain't got to worry about no migraines. The question is, who wins between the 1996 Bulls and the 2018 Warriors? Um, yeah, that's tough. I mean, man... To be honest, I think it's just like a who wins from that generation and who wins in this generation. And, and freaking honestly, hate you. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Go ahead, honestly, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to be, uh, you know, like the difference in refing. Honestly, I, I think it would be a fair, a fair game if, and if, if they played back then, and then if the Bulls played now, because neither of them would know how to play in each other's error. You know, so I think with the advantages of their error. You know, like the Bulls being able to, you know, be a little bit more touchy because that was their error. But they probably are not going to be ready for, you know, 30 footers from Steph Curry. You know, I don't see the Bulls putting up 130 points for seven games in a series. That's always been Golden State's ticket. It's not been like, I mean, they've been a great defensive team as well. And they became a great defensive team through their offense. This the scare of another team having to really defend hard. But 130 points a game. I mean... The Bulls were not doing 130 points a game every, you know, every series, every single series. You know what I mean? So maybe they locked them down for, you know, a couple games, but it's the same thing LeBron had to go through. Like, I don't, I don't know. So I think it's really close. But then again, I still have to go with the Bulls because they are the greatest franchise in greatest or greatest franchise in the toughest in toughest period, toughest testing time in NBA history. Because you can go Boston Celtics with the with Bill Russell and the 15 championships. I think it was just a different time. Just like Bill Russell's, I mean, uh, Wilt Chamberlain's numbers against the period of that time. Like, Wilt would have been still one of the best of all time. I think he would have been better even in this time because he would have been able to prove himself against somebody his size. But, uh, yeah, Jordan, best, best franchise in the toughest time. Absolutely the greatest. It's a tough matchup for me because in order to do this timeline thing where we do a time warp and put them together, Steve Kerr would have to coach against himself. (laughs) 
Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden right. State Warriors, would have to be like, I know that guy. We got him locked down. So first of all, you got to bench Steve Kerr. All right, Steve Kerr just got to stay on the bench because we, we, can't, right. we can't have that. I would normally do a timeline thing. I would say in this day and age where you can get called for a foul, if I ran by you too fast, the wind would make the ref blow the whistle. Back right. then, um, let's start with the easy part. In the 90s, it's the Bulls, four games to two. And only be and only and I think Golden State only gets one game because Durant catches fire and it's hard to shoot. It's hard to defend against someone who's shooting that far at the height six at a six foot eleven height with a, a seven foot six wing, wingspan. All right. Re, uh, Robin's one of the best gr uh, ground game rebounders and defenders, man, but you gotta have someone to put a hand up on him. Um, but with that being said, there is a lot of physicality they can get away with um, when he doesn't have the ball. They can stick to him like glue and not get called for a foul. Steph Curry, I know he's been in the weight room a little bit, but he would have gotten that that time area era. He would have gotten his, but he would have gotten roughed up. They're not gonna give him shots from the half court. As soon as the ball's in his hand, you're gonna have Scottie Pippen, a big defender on him. You're gonna have uh, um, people rotating in and out, just defending him and just defending uh, Durant. Uh, Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman, they're going to have a huge hug fest by the time the third game comes. And when I say hug fest, they're going to be on the floor rolling around, punching each other. So they're both going to eliminate each other. So now the, the physical part of Golden State's game is gone because Draymond Green ain't going to last that seven-game series without, without biting the bait uh, 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 against Dennis Rodman. So the Bulls win four games to two. Now in this day and age... I would. I initially, before I got on the show, I'm like, Golden State will probably win that 4-3. Because at the end of the day, Clay Thompson could put up 41. This guy could put up whatever. There's just, they're just so many people. Iggy, you know, uh, Durant. That's just a really deep team. I mean, I, I, we yeah. even talk about the bench, right? So um, normally I said four games of three, but my mind races back to when they were down. They were up three games to one on the Cavaliers. Who had Kevin Love, who was, who was playing hurt. Kyrie Irving um, hides his injuries really well. Who, who, that was my finals MVP. I didn't think it was LeBron. Um, yeah, watching no, the Cavaliers come back and beat them three straight games, a 73-win team, and I make the illogical but fun leap that if the Cavaliers can beat them, come back 3-1 to one on the Golden State Warriors without Durant, I believe the Bulls can beat them four out of seven games with Durant. I think Durant is a big, big plug-in and a big, big difference maker. But is it, mm -hmm. is it a big difference maker that scoops over the Chicago Bulls? Um, I don't know. Ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> I think that's, you know, because Durant, I mean, I, I thought you were talking about the 72-win team. before The, the year team. before. 73-win yeah. team before Durant. I didn't know it was uh, the one with Durant. No, that um, was I was. I was talking about that. Okay. Okay, and, okay. And I yeah, made the yeah. leap. Uh, with, if they with, can do that oh, without Durant. Yeah, with with Durant, with, without Durant, I think it would be a really, really close. But with Durant, I mean, you'd have Pippen on Durant, but then you'd have Steve Kerr eventually on, you know, Steph Curry or, you know, somebody's going to be not on Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. Yeah, you know, it's too many. It's just like, yeah. so I don't even know. Like, that's, yeah, that's just tough, man, because... I just I mean, think LeBron they would play man. Put up a good fight, though. Yeah, I just think they would play man. I just think they would play man, uh, and and they wouldn't allow someone to catch catch and shoot. 
Like Curry can catch a shoot as soon as he crosses half court. As soon as his left foot goes past half court and you give him the space, like, oh, he could have that shot if he wants it. I don't see uh, Phil Jackson preparing that way. I see someone, and he might use subs out of the wazoo. Steve Kerr sit down for a few plays. I'm at this guy in, in, in Curry's face from whether he has the ball or not, just in his face. So, and I think that's why, do you remember the, the game, the Cavaliers, uh, when, um, what's his name, held on to the ball at the end because he thought they, they were up by, they were up instead of the game being tied? What was his name? Oh, JR, man. Yeah. Uh, um, and JR Smith? Yes. Like, Oh man, that kind That's of game terrible, LeBron made manageable. That that game one they made manageable, and I see the I do see the Bulls doing a little bit more. Um, lastly, before we leave the Bulls, the Bulls, and if before we go, anything you want to say about this last dance thing? Before we go to the next sub- subject? No, I just thought it was great, man. I mean, I I, I want to probably rewatch it from top to bottom because I kind of watch it pretty spotty, like there and there, like there and back. But I mean. I really liked the crowd stand. I really didn't, not that I didn't know that much about it, but I didn't know how deep it went from the very beginning. Like he got there and started to try to change things, which is crazy, you know. I so. think me watching the series lastly because everybody uses this as proof. Oh, see, see, Jordan's the goat, oh, not LeBron. Jordan's Jordan's the goat, not LeBron. And most of the people do agree that Jordan's the goat, but I don't like. It's disingenuous to make everything about LeBron every time they talk about Jordan's greatness. Just leave the guy alone. His, he's still an active player. He's still got probably like three more years left because of his physical condition. Um, but watching Jordan's nature off the court and watching the tough love, almost hazing in how he motivated his players to play and how he invented vendettas in his head as a challenge, almost Ronda Rousey style. I, 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 I call him Rousey and I call um, LeBron Amanda, Amanda Nunez, <laughs> not at level, but as far as mental approach. And the more I saw this series, the more I appreciated LeBron. Uh, I, I wanted to be more like LeBron instead of like Mike. LeBron is an ambassador to the sport, on and off the court. The man always tries to do the right thing. There's some things, there's some battles he got to sit out. The whole China thing, he sat out. Whatever. He's not a politician. Everybody's like, oh, you don't get to pick where you get to sit out or not. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. You're you're not a politician. You you do get to pick. So the more I watched this, the more I appreciated the kind of human being LeBron is and how he galvanized people around him uh, through a different way. And every because everybody in our day, the way I grew up, and you're and you're you're not my age, Rob, but you're old school like that. People are like, if you can't take this, you're not ready to win a championship. And that's how we grew up, dude. That's how you grew up. Somehow you you're you're misplaced in time right now. Cause that's how you are. Some you, you I've seen you coach Rob. You you about that tough love. So <laughs> LeBron showed that there are ways to win, and not be like that. And I'm not saying everyone should be like that. Cause if Jordan was like that, he wouldn't have won. He wouldn't have won if he was like that. He wouldn't have won. It's true. Um, it's true. My success as a volleyball player, I probably wouldn't either. I was a mean cuss, but I was. I was a mean cuss with everybody. I'm not, I didn't pick my spots. I was just I was just barking at everybody. But LeBron showed there are other ways to win, and we're not going to talk about his off the court thing. This this man's philanthropy is 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 amazing. Okay, so, and that's all I wanted to say about Last Dance. And I think we're shutting the door on the NBA and, and basketball right now as we move on sure. to our next subject. Subject. Rob, the only reason why I'm bringing up the New York Giants is because my man Baker turned himself in for alleged armed assault or armed robbery along with Dunbar from Seattle. These guys cannot stay 
out of trouble. You're the, like John Jones said, this is the only time in your life where sitting on the couch and vegging and watching movies and playing video games is a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. And between him and between the, uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, Bill's uh, defensive tackle, Ed Oliver, just got arrested in oh Houston my for gosh, DUI. Man, no, I just heard just those people things. just getting in trouble. Stay out of trouble. So, because I'm in a New York state of mind, because I'm wearing the wrong shirt, but I got the right purpose. Rob, we're going to have a little fun because we like doing these top fives. We all about them That's top right. fives. Rob, starting with you, five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two. One one. Who are your top five New York Giants of all time? Start with number right. five. You go first. All right. I mean, you know, my number five is. I think it's a little bit more nostalgic, probably for me. But uh, I have to go with an Amani Toomer. I feel like he was like the most consistent, and you know, around my time. But it was like really when the wide receiver was becoming something. You know. And he was just the most consistent. He was always around. He was deep. He was a deep threat. He was a, a slot guy. He was just like the man. And then he stayed there for a long time. And like just that money tumor. He was a punt return, kick return. He just like did Jesus. everything. You know, so like he, he just like, I think that's more of a nostalgic number five of all time. Because, I mean, he put up the numbers probably in longevity. But, man, I, I don't know if he might not be there with some old school. Boy, players, God but. damn, that's a good pick. Damn you right, showing man. your true colors, man. <laughs> you have wisdom beyond your years. Rob, high fives. <laughs> gotcha. My five sentimental pick because every time I think about the Giants, it's the same way Chicago Bears fans think about their team and the Pittsburgh Steelers think about their team. It's about defense. <laughs> defense. I give there you Justin go. Tuck. Justin okay. Tuck won that first Super Bowl like with Strahan, Eli Manning, and whatever. And then when it was time to win a second one, he says, I got a ring. You ain't got one. I got a ring. He ain't got one. But I promise you, let's play football. We all going to have us a ring. We going to get Justin Tuck, a great on-the-court, on-the-field leader, a great locker room leader, off the field. His philanthropy is well-known, particularly with the children. The man is amazing with the children. Just this big, muscular dude. Just this really nice guy whose mean streak was only in in between plays. Because in between the whistles, he wasn't a mean dude. He's just like, good hit, boy. <laughs> you know, some people are still snarling after the play. That man played football the right way. Ask him what he's won, Rob. He's won him a Super Bowl ring. Justin Tuck. Who's my number four, Rob? Glad you asked. <laughs> I'll go first yeah, yeah. on this one. Rob, I got to go with Eli Manning. Is he a man that threw a lot of touchdowns? Yeah. Is he also a, lot, a guy that threw a lot of interceptions? Yes. But you know who else threw a lot of touchdowns and interceptions that never gets vilified the way Eli Manning gets vilified for it? Brett Favre. That man was a touchdown and interception throwing machine. And the only reason he doesn't ca carry the same criticism and weight is because his personality is likable. Brett Favre, the three-time NFL MVP, didn't even get a Super Bowl MVP. Eli Manning has two Super Bowls MVPs against a team that was undefeated and a, and a team that was expected to win. And we're not even going to fulfill the com my complete obligation on his path to both of those Super Bowls. Because if you did the numbers, Nate Silver, did numbers, stats on who's the clutchest quarterback in playoff situations. And he mm. and, and the numbers came up Eli Manning. So then they thought the algorithm was messed up. Pff, Eli Manning, <laughs> get out of here. So they worked on a different algorithm that, that was a higher standard. And guess what? Eli Manning came out again. 
Eli Manning threw a lot of interceptions. Eli Manning only made the playoffs, I think, six times in his 14-year career. But we're Giants fans in a rap. I If I told you that your team would suck for 14 years, but but somewhere in those 14 years you get a Super Bowl and I'd ask you, will you take it? I say for me, yes. What say you, Rob? What's your number four? My number four is, again, maybe it's sentimental, but I thought he was probably one of the best running backs we've ever had until, you know, Saquon Barkley right now. So I was going to go on number four, Tiki Barber. Because... You know, again, heart and soul of the of the Giants. You know, for a long time, and they might not. Have, he might not have won a ring. He literally left the year right before they got. <laughs> you know, isn't what that mean? amazing? <laughs> Tumor and Strahan decided to stay. Tumor yeah, and Strahan yeah, you know, stayed. Yeah, that's what I mean. Those are my boys, but um, that is my team. So yeah, uh, Tiki man, Tiki just just left. Still still talking nonsense. Like I don't think he's the smartest football player in the bunch, but. I just I thought he was a great you know giant. Um, Would you say TK was the most complete running back uh, the Giants had? Because the man yeah, catches I mean, the passes. Way, Remember, uh, talk about yeah. returning returning punts too. Right, 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 yeah, right. And sorry. he wasn't the fastest guy. He just had that like at, that acceleration, man. Yeah, he was Watch quick me jump off the and screen. he was fast. Yeah, he just wasn't like uh, like the you know that long distance speed, you know. But great player. I I really loved watching him play and. Thankfully, we get to, I get to talk about my number three next because it's my only quarterback. But Rob, who's number three? It should be. I mean, maybe it should be Eli. But for me, I, I was going to put down Phil Sims because a little bit before my time, uh, and I just he's always been known as that number one guy, um, the number one quarterback in Giants history. And I, you know, maybe Eli took him over. I don't, I don't necessarily know. And I, I think Phil won. A, he won a championship of his own, so he's right in the mix. But um, yes, he did. Uh, it's still like, you know, Eli is M- MVP. He has like the greatest play in, in, in Giants history probably. And he has, you know, <clears throat> he's got that Super Bowl win against the Patriots. You know, it was everybody, but, you know, he was a quarterback that led it. He had that Tyree catch in the middle and then he had the Plaxico after. Did, and honestly, did you mention Eli yet? That, is Phil Sims your three? Is that what you're saying right now? Phil Sims is my three. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I'm just trying to defend that. I understand that Eli is probably the best quarterback in, in Giants history now. Because if you really did watch those games, like, yeah, he did have a bunch of 6-11 and 11 seasons. Like, he had a, a couple of tough years. But when he was good, when they needed him, he was amazing down the stretch. Like, he put points on the board when they absolutely needed it. And it wasn't like a, well he's the best guy. It's just like, it's just going to happen. I don't know what it was. It was just going to happen. It was just a special thing for maybe like six or seven years. And he knew it. The Giants knew it. And there was no talk of quarterback, you know, moving the quarterback and this and that. It was just get a D line, get this guy some, some weapons and let's go in a championship. So that was pretty cool. Rob, that was pretty cool. Rob McLean. My number three pick is Phil Sims. Look, Bill Parcells is the head coach when they won two ships, okay? It ain't easy playing for that guy. It ain't easy having Tom Coughlin as your wide receivers coach, making sure you, you got some communication with the quarterback. It ain't easy for Bill Parcells to tell you to sit the F down, and then when you try to stand up, you try to bow up to him, he, he bows up back to you, and then you and then you just sit down. It's hard for, for someone as competitive and as Phil Sims to uh, – bow to puppy dog to the big dog 
and still find a way to perform out there. Because some people that get some out of their game, and maybe just Bill, Bill Parcells is pushing the right buttons. He got the most out of Phil Sims, and ask him what they've won, Rob. Dude, got a Super Bowl victory over the Denver Broncos, 39-20. to 20. But moreover, he got Super Bowl MVP. He was 23 of 25. And that Super Bowl victory. That is all we need to know about Phil Sims. Rob, me and you could throw a ball back and forth 25 times. And I'm a, we, maybe we drop <laughs> two of them. Maybe we drop more than two. You and me, no shoulder pads, no helmets, nobody, nobody ready to ding you in the head if you catch it. This right. man was 23 of 25. That is an attribute to very, very good receivers like Stefan, the touchdown maker, Baker. Uh, um, uh, Ingram, Mark Ingram, Never, mm-hmm. let's not forget him, the real Mark Ingram, that was a wide receiver, a Bavaro, uh, um, Mark Bavaro tight end, uh, Howard Cross tight end, good catching running backs, David Meggett, OJ o. Anderson, see, we're bringing it back now. So, um, there we go, um, there we go. But Phil Sims for that, that, that year alone deserves to be in this top five, and he goes number three for me because he got hurt at the end of the season. People forget the Giants won 12 or 13 games. Their second run of the Super Bowl, the Jeff Hostetler won for them. Phil Simms, they won 12 games under him. The number two seed. Okay. It's my number three seed. So, so Rob, my number two. Now I got to go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, means I get, I, that means I get the number one. Yes, you did. La, 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 la. <laughs> did you do your number two yet? You did no, your number I, two yet. No, I did two and one together. All right, so check it out. See the smile? Ain't no gap in these teeth, right? Uh, but my man, <laughs> yo, but my, my man got a big one. And listen, he's so lovable. He made the gap in, its, in his tooth a trademark. He made it his signature. He made it a quality. And you're like, that is Strahan. Michael Strahan, league leader in sacks, sacked Brett Favre to break the record. Brett Favre more... He, Kind of more fell down and said, here, take the sack, buddy. And everybody thought Brett Favre gave him the sack. But no, Brett Favre just preferred not to get hit. He just gave up the goods a little bit easier than, than some other people. Michael Strahan followed the great Lawrence Taylor. A uh, lot of big shoes to fill as a linebacker or as a front four, and he did so. Got to the Super Bowl, lost to the Ravens. Got back to the Super Bowl, came out of retirement, and thank God, this man is more revered and more remembered because that Super Bowl ring gets you your host shot on the morning show. That's the truth. Michael Strahan, my favorite line, and I'm going to give you the floor in a minute, was when Tom Brady threw to Randy Moss to put the Patriots up 14 to 10. Michael Strahan goes to his sideline and says, 17, 14. Say it with me. 17-14, believe it, and we'll be Super Bowl champions. I don't know how they play if he doesn't say that. Because Tom Brady, people remember, uh, should remember, Tom Brady had a minute 15 left after the Giants scored. You know, and Brady could, you know, and you know Brady can go, can go and tie the game with a field goal. I mean, the guy can do that. But so his That's defense. That's what everybody was saying. Yeah, Alford, Tuck, man, pressure, sacked him. And make yep. mine number two, make mine straight hand. Flow's yours. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, you stole my pick. I, I actually almost forgot him, to be honest. I am an M-Drop. I am an M-Drop. Yeah, you know, I just got to be honest. And, you know, I had to be like, I was like, I know I'm forgetting somebody, you know. And then another person, just because, you know, we, you know, you picked my number two, 
we picked the same number two because I think it's it's the right number two. I think Jeremy Shockey should probably also be on this list. I mean, I feel like if he was on the Giants for a little longer, it would de- it would be a definite. You know, he's in my top ten probably. You know, but uh, yeah, Jeremy Shockey's right up there too. Um, but yeah, Michael Strahan, man. I mean, he was just the heart and soul, like Tiki Barber uh, right before. You know, I think they were like you know right there together, and then Tiki kind of bowed. What yeah, a bunch Michael, of great mo- role models, dude. Exactly. Yeah, they really. I mean, look at Michael on the, the you know, Good Eli. Morning America. It's it's crazy. Like he's he's still that per, that same dude. He was that dude when he was on the field bashing heads with other guys. Like that's how crazy that is, man. And it's that's that's why he was beloved, you know, because he was this charismatic, you know, personality, and you know the the most misogynistic, you know, hyper masculine kind of. Uh, society kind of kind of mindset so great to see you know kept an open mind and uh, fantastic player and I think it's crazy how great he did in his last season you know that almost made him just like you know Warren Sapp or some of the other great defensive linemen that ended their career on their on maybe on a high you know or in in a in in the best time of their career you know physically and uh, you know Strahan had a couple more years for sure you know but he ended it on a Super Bowl ring, and he had maybe not that many productive years, as productive years, maybe two or three years before. But that year, man, oof. The Giants should thank him. Just, Do they oof. win the Super Bowl that year without without Strahan? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. Not even close. I mean, because it was the D line. Nobody knew Justin Tuck. Nobody knew Alfred. Uh, yeah, Nobody I can know. Knew, uh, like, I, I can um. Akinoa, uh, um, um, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Aqu- Rado. No, <laughs> Stop uh, it. <laughs> trying to think about. Uh, Matthias um, Akinoa, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, man. Like yeah. all these no-name guys and then, you know, Super Bowl champions. <laughs> yeah, no it's doubt. Crazy. Dude. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, right, you, yeah, hold, so, you hold the Patriots to 14 points. Yeah. You just, yeah, yep, you it's working, the defense. You're working. You know, Who's number Randy one? Moss. Who's number one? I um, might not even. Maybe you just take us both home with number every, one. Everybody knows who number one is. If you don't, if you if you don't know who number one is, then you're probably not a, a very good football fan, honestly. Never mind you Giants. Know, well, <laughs> yeah, because but some people don't even know that Lawrence Taylor was on the Giants. You know, some people just know Lawrence Taylor. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's okay. You know, that's you know Lawrence Taylor linebacker. I get it. You know, but. It's like sometimes I know of the player, or maybe not the team they play on. You know, maybe like I don't know what professional team Pele played on. You know, but I know Pele played for Brazil. Right. Or something, you know what I mean? So in in a sense, I get it. But yeah, Lawrence Taylor played for the Giants. Greatest pick the Giants ever had. Greatest player from the second he stepped on the on the field until the second that he left the field that that that, that Giants ever had. Um, redefined the game. Uh, probably. If he wasn't as good as he was in the beginning, probably would have been even better at the end because he affected the league so drastically that the league was forced to change. It wasn't over a period of time. It was like immediately. Everybody drafted players to be exactly like Lawrence Taylor, and everybody drafted players to stop players like Lawrence Taylor. That was it for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> And so that's that's just... I mean, he's one of the greatest players in NFL history, let alone Giants history. 
Like, he's the greatest linebacker of all time. He, Easily. And that's known. That's a known fact. That's period. not even like me saying that's it. That's undisputable. Yeah. That's undisputable. Yeah. Anybody, I don't, I don't even think I'm interested in talking about football with anyone that even puts anyone in the same sentence. There are some honorable mentions, but all of those, sure. all, but all of those honorable mentions are the uh their their measuring stick in which they compare themselves is lawrence taylor lawrence taylor is the measuring stick in which all they're compared they're not the measuring stick so if they're honorable mentions in the classic sense of the word that's all they are they're not the best linebacker he's possibly the the, uh, a top three best football player of all time in any position nobody nobody geared their 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 game around uh, you gear your game around how you're gonna stop this wide receiver. You gear around how they're gonna, you know, uh, stop this running back in their blocking schemes. You gear around, you know, um, Dow Revis always has one side of the field. Nobody gears their whole freaking offense and defense and special teams about what this man's gonna do and the amount of time he's gonna do it. Left tackle has big contracts. Left tackle would not have man. big money contracts if it wasn't for Lawrence Taylor. That man put Joe Theismann out. He's concussed and laid out Joe Montana multiple times. He's retired more people than Social Security. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor. The second most paid player post-Lawrence Taylor was the left tackle. We know people like Jumbo Elliott and Peters because from Philadelphia because of Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. And, and I'm going to stop right there because I thought I ain't even trying to um, uh, tidal wave over all of the, the, the eloquent and beautiful points that you made about arguably the top five best player in the history of professional football. Never mind linebacker Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, great. Greatness. Got my football on thanks to you. Yeah, leave it, leave it to a couple of New Yorkers to bring it back for y'all. You're welcome. There you go. All right, so now we approach a little bit more of a delicate scene, but um, for the people know, who watch this show, they know Sports Debate Tuesday is an attachment from a, a podcast I have called The Option. And The Option predicates its foundation on sports, which we're doing, current events, entertainment, and health and, and health and wellness. And if I didn't talk about this, because right now it's it's a social pulse, I'd be remiss as a podcaster. Never mind. And because it involves sports, particularly our sports, my real my wheelhouse, and this this absolute stud who's joined me on the show. Here goes. On the volleyball scene, there's been some pushback regarding the partnership of two very, very prominent clubs. One is called Sports Performance Volleyball Club, and the other is not just a club. Mizuno's a volleyball club, but Mizuno is a, is a, a company and a, and a brand in which sells and brings almost all of its business exclusively to volleyball. All right, their volleyballs kind of suck, but their sneakers rock, their t-shirts, their shorts. Mizuno has been them, Asics, is basically what Nike is to basketball. So... With that being said, sports, uh, there's been some pushback because now there's a new partnership with Sports Performance Volleyball Club and Mizuno. Many volleyball players, former volleyball players, current coaches, retired coaches, and parents have threatened to boycott Mizuno because of this partnership due to the long-standing and long-storied historical allegations of sexual assault and rape of minors by the leader of the sports performance of volleyball club, Richard Butler. So Rob, my question is, 
does this pushback have legs or is this something that's just going to come and go? And since I'm bringing it up, would you like to go first? Or you get the right to choose for me to go first or you? Because I know I pushed this on you last minute. We're doing a first take. No, no, no. You're good. Um, yeah, you can finish off because you probably got a lot more, uh, you know, factual information to, to, I did a little homework. to bring to the. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Uh, unfortunately, like you see with this whole Larry Nazar thing, I mean, Larry Nazar went away, but you know what happened with Michigan State? Um, I mean, it's just it's it's very sad that we don't have the type of uh, structure in place to police uh, coaches. Because as a coach myself, like I don't just of indoor, let's say of indoor volleyball, like there are so many coaches that don't have like a certain aspect of of growing a kid you know they have the aspect of making the best volleyball player which is their job but x's and o's yeah yeah but there's no there's no like uh moral standard i should i should say right there's no like how low would i go like what would i sacrifice to to win these games there's not there's none of that standardizing among you know clubs and and, and of, of of teams you know it's just like wild west out there like do what you got to do so i'm not saying that people invite this bad things but when you leave things just wide open to interpretation and you don't you know keep at least a little bit of a of, of a leash um bad things are, tend to happen i mean gymnastics has been some of the least policed and and just widest like send your kids to this camp and they'll come back six months later and just you know parents come all the time but their kids are always in a situation where they can be manipulated and what i'm trying to say is it's just unfortunate where i think that especially looking at how much time you can spend with your own kids and, you know, sacrificing a little bit more of work and travel and seeing if you can work from home as opposed to working. I mean, just that travel there and back to work is the six hours you can spend with the kid instead of paying for them to go to a place if you even have the money to pay for it. You know, so it's like there, we just have to rethink how we're approaching putting kids into professional atmospheres because that's what it is nowadays. Junior sports is a professional yeah. atmosphere. I mean, it's, it's called amateur athletic sport. union, but we know it's really, it's a professional setting. I agree. It's a professional setting. And these coaches can teach kids professional things, but that's, that's an adult, that's an adult, uh, that's like an adult course. You, you don't, you don't have to teach them that. And, and once you start muddling that line, there's a lot of things that people think kids should know and maybe it's not a mainstream uh, ideal. So that's what I'm saying. It's just a very thin line that you can break so easily. And I don't think we're doing the right things structurally to not even police it, just just to make people feel safe that they can report it if it happens, right? Like there's no person you can call. There's no number where you're like, hey, anybody in this gym, if you ever have anything you need to say to somebody that's not your family and you need help and just information or anything, call this number. You know what I mean? So I think there's – if we hear 
If there's any type of allegations, boom, right away. This has got to be wide sweeping, you know, more than safe sport, right? Just more than safe sport. So yep. it's sad to hear, but you know, it's 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 what the world, what's happens in the world. You know, it's very unfortunate, but you have the only way to battle that is to step up and see it for what it is, which is wrong, and you have to step up and talk about it. If you don't, that's where it gains strength. You know, yeah. so. I applaud the people that stood up for, you know, their freedoms, their 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 mental freedom of not being in trauma anymore, and hopefully their process uh, to reheal is 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 a lot less, you know, a lot more painless than uh, the way they got their trauma. Yeah. So Rob, um, bringing people up to speed on who Richard Butler is. Richard Butler is um, the U.S. volleyball coach for uh, sports performance. Basically, the U.S. Uh, juniors team. He has involvement with the the, the adults and and the uh, the junior national team. So basically, from the '80s all the way up to this this point, he has been the influential person as far as girls getting scholarships and uh, really um, in a very I don't like to use the word um, Epstein way or Harvey Weinstein way um, controls your future. As far as doing, you know, as far as doing thing his way, his he has a vision for you, and if you listen to him, you're gonna go far. And before I say what I gotta say, the man he maintains his innocence to these allegations, even though the innocence or uh, the uh, his claim is just ridiculous. First, he said sex never happened, and then he walks back his comments. It says he denies sex ever happened, but then he said um, it did happen, but three of the girls. Or were consensual because they were 18 years old which to you and me is still inexcusable because you're still in a position of power where you control like if I'm your boss if I'm someone's boss right or like if I'm if someone's 23 and I'm, I'm I'm 50 this year if I'm your boss you're an adult you're consenting but not really and we just talked about Weinstein they're they're consenting adults but not really it's on its best legs, it's highly inappropriate. And on its worst legs, it's, it could be, it's probably rape. Dude, it's probably rape. But so why? far, like, so far, why? there's only, there's, I only, I did research this afternoon and I, I only know about six cases. Six, there's more. I know, I, I'm only talking about six people I know about uh, that I did, I did some reading up and research. Please, Rob. Sorry, but no, I, I gotta say, like, statute li li limitations is almost a way to, like, it, it has to be if if you have if you have something done to you uh, before age twenty one or age thirty, you know, statute of li limitations should not, you know, or there's got to be like a a way to 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 traverse that because it shouldn't it shouldn't be because you waited too long to report a certain crime that. You know, I feel like in a, in a in a a place where you have emotional trauma, there should totally be a way to be able to circumvent that because if, if it's from the day of the event that it happened to what six years or ten years or twenty years past that time, uh, you know, why does it matter how long it takes if it's the crime? You know, I mean, I I get that you can't just pull it up from anywhere, but they have legitimate evidence and. You know, the reason why they didn't do it over a certain amount of time, like I'm not saying 50 years, but, yeah. you know, 20 years later, you, you're like, hey, you know, this is what happened. Like, try them. Maybe at it least has, have like, there has a to be an extension. Yeah, there has to be an extension. To, because if someone is a sexual offender 
and they're not on the sexual offenders list, then what is the list even really? Because it's not. Well, if there's no conviction, oh, then he's not going to be on the list. There was no conviction. Of course. Because, of like course. you said, because of, of what course. you're originally talking about, you're talking about statute of limitations. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the only reason. Is that's so? What I'm saying is, if he actually did it, if he didn't, okay. But if he did, you know, that's the the list is for the people that that do those things. And I'm not even hating against those people in a sense. Like I, I I'm never saying anybody should do it. But that's those people's choices. Like. You know, there's a lot of terrible things in this world, and the people choose to do those things, so that's their thing. But you brought man. up something very important, though, in the beginning of this. That before before I drive us both too far, because you know I do that sometimes, and I'm sorry, um, I apologize. In the beginning, you were talking about if people know stuff, and if they if other coaches like you and me should encourage people to step up and talk to us. And the reason why I don't think it happened with this guy, because his, his personality, this is if he did it, his personality and, and his, his power and the power he wields, not just controls other players, it controls people that work there around him. So first of all, I don't even think like 16 year old girls, they're ver that means a lot of them are virgins and a lot of them are dumb. Uh, they're gullible. They don't know what the hell's. They don't. They don't even know what happened until after it happened. And you don't see sixteen-year-olds file sexual assault or rape rape uh, charges. You just don't hear stories of that. You hear women that knew about it. So there has to be some kind of extension of the statute statute of limitations because, and I did studies on this and I did my own research on this. Psychologically, it messes up your head. All of a sudden, you get raped when you're 16. All of a sudden, you're failing science class and in someone's mind. What does one thing happen to do in the other? As far as someone's psychological growth, probably nothing, but probably everything. Probably everything, Rob. This man, again, this man maintains his innocence and he passed five polygraph tests. But polygraph tests, the reason why they're not admissible, because if somebody's sick, they don't believe that they sexually assault someone. It's not going to come up on a polygraph test. Mike Tyson, you know, uh, um, 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 still alleges, uh, says he didn't rape that girl. And either it's either one or two things. Either he did and, and doesn't believe he did or he's or he's innocent. So the reason why I'm, I'm heeing hawing about this is because if you have six cases that we know of, that we know of, it's important to not just have it in the news for one cycle and because our sport's not that important or because those kids aren't that important, they just let it go. They're just like, okay, we took it as far as we could go. Oh, man, this guy is suing us now because uh, for slander and this and that. So now this guy's aggressively coming after people, which I think innocent people do. Like if, you got, if I got accused of rape, I'm coming after you until you apologize publicly <laughs> because, because of the serious... Um, charge it is right right rob we live in a society where you're guilty until proven innocent but what is the one charge Probably, you are not yes. guilty until proven innocent rape <laughs> rape in the court of public opinion which which somehow seeps into the court and taints juries you you have to find a way to prove you didn't do it which is impossible <laughs> okay so it is serious on both ends it is serious to accuse someone because you ruin their reputation one way uh, uh, um if they didn't do it and if they're found not guilty, people still look at him like, oh, that was the guy that was in court for whatever. And he didn't, you know, and you ruin it for, for people who are brave enough to come forward. I just watched the video. This woman is 50 this year and her husband tried to touch her and she still jumps. 
She still jumps. It messed up her head now. And Mizuno, the reason why I ever brought this up, Mizuno separated him themselves from this guy in 2017 and they're now back with him in 2020. So if you separated yourself, what the hell happened between 2017 and 2020 to say, oh, I changed my mind. If you're gone from that dude, you stay gone. You stay gone. And now, and now I'm pent up a little bit because six cases that we know of, for I don't have any evidence because you, you, you can't prove you didn't do it or prove you didn't. It's his word against hers. I get that. But my sniff test tells me something smells rotten in the state of California and in the state of Illinois. This will not be ignored. Let's, if he didn't do it, that's fine. If he did do it, his behind should be in jail. But something we should not do, Rob McLean, is just have this go through one, one news cycle. This has got to be addressed sooner than later. No, right now, I mean, hopefully, you know, people understand. I, I mean, the article literally just came out, I think, you know, today or, or yesterday. But I'd love to have him on the show. I would love to have that guy on the show. I would love to see his side of the story. I want. I would love to hear what he got to say because his wife is like, "Oh, you guys out there, you're, you know, you don't have the facts, and you're doing this." And maybe she's right. Well, she said apparently she's implicated, so of course she's got something to say too. So. Yeah. Yep. We'll have to see about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, hit oh. him up. See if we can get him on the show, Jay. Someone, but for now, tell you the truth, um, until. My nose, until my nose starts smelling chicken parm- parmesan upstairs, which is cooking instead of this shit. And I just said shit. There go my sponsors. Uh, um, until, until my sniff test stops smelling this. I'm not doing Mizuno no more, dude. I'm not doing Mizuno no more. I'm with J- Jason Olive, who's an actor, a former volleyball player, won the first uh, right to likeness lawsuit. A supermodel, super, super person brought this to my attention. And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I'm all, you know, you like, damn, Jay, you're going to have a stroke. <laughs> um, Penta, I'm wound up a little bit about this because this is a serious thing. This is because, I mean, because there are going to be a lot of guys who didn't do it that are going to have to, that are going to have to be drugged through the run because of people who did. I want him on the show. I mean, we, right now we're averaging, uh, tw- we went from 3,000 views on our show to 15. And now recently we're averaging 21,000 views on our show. Right now we're up to 19.5 last episode, 25,000 is our record. Hey, that's petition power right there. Yes, it is. Robert Sparrow, by the way, on my podcast, 54,000. He, sh- he shattered through our record shattered. with a tank, dude. Um, so let's finish off this way. Um, try to do a little happy note thing. <laughs> How? <laughs> um, on this day, which is, well, we're going to do Monday and Tuesday. On this day, Randy Johnson threw a perfect game against the Atlanta Braves in 1990, uh, 2004 uh, in the 2-0 victory. Randy Johnson, I believe, was um, still a di- maybe a Diamondback back then? I don't know. On this day, Rob, 1935, the NFL adopts the annual college draft to start in 1936. No good idea, bad idea today. But I want to finish... Um, you know, we have like finishing comments. We have, we have a, sh- a shout out to this person, shout out to that person. I For would sure. like to take this time to acknowledge um, the death of uh, general manager, former Yankee general manager, Bob Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Watson d- passed away at the age of 74 over the weekend. Bob Watson was the first African-American general manager to, to help or, or participate in the win of a major league, major league baseball world series. 
which was 1996. So he won with the Yankees. Later on, became the vice president of discipline and rules. And good luck with that job. Nobody even wants that. Certainly not your first African-American. Uh, shout out to him. May he, may he rest in peace. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't have much shout outs. Just uh, Shout out you know. to Miranda. Where's she at? <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Miranda. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Yo, she keeping the meals hot, boy. What you saying? <laughs> Yeah, you know, she's doing her best. She's cool. definitely doing her best. Is she still working out? Is she quarantining? Yeah, I mean, well, she's working a lot, so she's just, you know, trying mm. to keep up. And I mean, she works a lot in the morning, so then during the day, she just, you know, no, no doubt, tries to rest and, and get ready for the next. Yeah, so listen, God bless that woman. God bless that woman. God bless you. And God bless everybody else out there who's listening to this episode. This is episode 17 of Sports Debate Tuesday podcast. For my man, Rob, keep him McLean McLean. I'm Jason DeBellis. I love you to pieces. Let's do this closing, all right? See you, brother. Check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.